same day came to him, to Jesus, the Sadducees, which say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him, saying, Rabbi, Master, Moses said, If a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife, and raise up children unto his brother. Now there were with us seven brethren, and the first, when he had married a wife, died, and having no children, he left his wife unto his brother, and likewise the second also, and the third unto the seventh, and last of all, the woman died also. Therefore in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her, and Jesus answered and said to them, You do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Dr. John G. Mitchell often asked a question that is still inscribed on the library wall on the campus of Multnomah University. He asked it of every class and challenged every student with it. Don't you folks ever read your Bibles? It is quite evident that he did. Dr. Mitchell once forgot his Bible in his office when he arrived to teach a graduate-level class on the Minor Prophets. Without a pause, he quoted the scripture for the day, word for word, from memory. Dr. Mitchell knew his Bible. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word radio Bible study. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you for listening along with us here on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast with Dr. John G. Mitchell. We continue our study in Matthew chapter 22, verses 23 through 33. As we previously heard, Jesus is confronted by a trap set by the Sadducees using a hypothetical marriage situation. But Jesus confronts them with three facts. First of all, these Sadducees are in error. Secondly, they don't know to whom the scriptures refer. And thirdly, they don't understand the power of the living God. Well, it is noted that Jesus told them that God speaks directly to the person in the scriptures. The only interpretation done was by Jesus when he said, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Well, Dr. Mitchell gives us an understanding of angels and also of those who have died having trusted in Christ. Well, here's Dr. Mitchell, Matthew chapter 22, verse 23. Thank you. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you with studies in the first book of the New Testament, the book of Matthew. I'm so en encouraged these days when I receive uh, mail speaking of the blessing of God in the study of this book. I have to confess to you that when I started in on the book of Matthew, 
I didn't realize that we were going to be so long in the gospel of Matthew. However, I'm sure the Lord has directed us in this so that you may be able to have at least an understanding of this amazing gospel, how often it has been distorted even by its friends. Now, we're dealing with the the leaders of Israel trying to trap Jesus in chapter 22. We've already had how the uh, disciples of of the Pharisees came with the Herodians, who were the politicians, and they tried to trap the Savior, and they thought they had him when they said, shall we pay our taxes? And you remember his answer, they, pardon me, uh, their thought was, if he says, pay your taxes, then he can't be the Messiah because Messiah would not want his people to be under the yoke of Rome. And if he said, don't pay your taxes, then we've got, we can go to the Roman authorities and have him put in prison because he's stirring up strife. So whatever he said, we have him, of course, he met, the, he met their question with a wonderful answer and confounded them. Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar and give to God the things that are God. And by the way, that last statement must have got right down into their hearts because they didn't give God any place in their lives. Real place. They were hypocrites as he accused them of being. Now we have the Sadducees. This is more subtle. Sadducees were the liberals and they did not believe in the supernatural. If I may be allowed again to come down to that 22nd chapter, and the story is written in verses 23, right on down through verse 33. Now, they came along with a question, these who did not believe in any resurrection, anything supernatural, and they, uh, they came with, with a quotation from Moses. Moses told us, if a man die, had no children, that his brother would marry his wife and raise up children to his name, and so on down the line. And these Sadducees said a woman had seven brothers, one after the other. She married every one of the seven, and at last she died. Now their question is, in the resurrection, who will have her? She had seven husbands. Which one will be her husband of the seven? And our Lord's answer was, you do err. You're wrong, because you do not know the Scriptures nor the power of God. And I spoke in our last lesson quite a length at this question of not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. I say this because having the opportunity, as I do have and have had through these years, of traveling all over our country and, and through most of the world, I find even on the mission field as well as at homes, even religious leaders who are ignorant of the Word of God and ignorant of experiencing the power of God. Can I dare stop here and make a plea with those of you who are Sunday school teachers, officers, possibly preachers? If ever there was a time in the history of this nation, in the history of the Christian church in America, when we who profess to know the Lord and are his servants If ever there was a time when we needed to know the Word of God and expound it, it's today. I'm well aware it's going to call for discipline. It's going to call for sacrifice. It's going to call for work. But my friend, there are rich rewards for your own heart, for your own life, and for your own people. If you'll give time to knowing the Word of God, this is far more important. And I say this frankly, it's far more important for you if you're a Sunday school teacher or a Bible teacher or a a minister of the Word of God, 
more important for you to really know your textbook, to know the Word of God and experience the power of God than anything else you can do. So his answer to these Sadducees were, when they said, in the resurrection, who will have her? Now his answer, in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. What a tremendous statement. And remember, it was Jesus who said this. And if anybody ought to know, it was Jesus. I remember they came possibly with sarcasm. I think they were cynical in this because they themselves did not believe in resurrection. But our Lord challenged them on their ignorance of the word, their ignorance of the power of God, ignorance of the supernatural. Oh, how many Christians are ignorant of the power of God that are afraid of the supernatural. And we have a right to be if it's not according to the word of God. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Let me just stop here a moment. I am not going to go into the study of angels, angelology. But as far as I know from my study of the word of God, angels do not have the power of procreation. When God created angels, he created a definite number. They neither multiply, neither do they diminish. They are eternal. May I say, suggest again, they neither increase nor diminish. They're not like men and women. When God made man, he made man with the power of procreation. And the result is that there are hundreds of millions of people on the earth today. We live so many years and we die. Uh, children are born every day of the year. There are more people living on the earth today than any at any other time in the history of man. We're not angels, neither holy angels nor fallen angels. And by the way, please don't tell your child if they do certain things, they won't be an angel. Of course they won't. They neither marry nor are given in marriage. Our Lord is intimating that after resurrection, this question of relationship as man and wife is gone. They're perfect in Christ. Oh, you say, well, heaven will not be a happy place. Listen, friend, down here we do not know what full joy is. Our joys are tarnished by sorrows and afflictions and misunderstandings and what have you. In that day, when we believers are caught up to meet the Lord in the air, we're going to be just like the Lord Jesus Christ. It's neither marrying, nor marrying, nor giving in marriage. Of course we'll know each other. Of course we'll be with each other. And we'll have a love that's perfect then, a love that's eternal, and a union that will never be broken. Unions down here are broken, but never up there. And then he adds this statement. As touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read 
that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, not by Moses, not by Isaiah, not by Zechariah, but by God. And again, may I remind you, Jesus puts his finger on the authenticity of the Word of God. It's his Father's Word. The Word of God saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You know, I kind of like this. Do you mean to tell me, sir, that Abraham is still alive? Yes. Isaac? Yes. Jacob? Yes. God says, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead. If our Lord ever spoke of the immortality of the personality, it's right here. Do you mean to tell me, sir, that Abraham is still alive? Yes. Moses? Yes. All Old Testament saints? Yes. All God's people who leave here? Yes. You know, it's a wonderful thing when a child of God leaves this world. We know exactly where they are. They've passed through the veil of what man calls death, and they've gone into the presence of the Lord. As Philippians chapter 1, 22 and 23 says, even the apostle Paul could write, I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. To live is wonderful. I could not but think of that the other day when I was enjoying the handiwork of God in the heavens and on the earth. My Father created these things for our joy, for our good. What about the future? It's even far more glorious, far more wonderful. To live is wonderful, but Paul says to be with the Lord is far better. That's why David, you remember, in the 27th Psalm, the fourth verse could say, One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after. What? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Afterwards, he could say, you remember, in the, in the Psalms, in the 17th Psalm, I shall be satisfied when I awake in thy likeness. And even dear Job could say in the 19th chapter, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and his feet shall stand upon the earth in the latter day, and the worms destroy this body. I shall yet in my flesh see God by my side, and when I see him, behold, he is not a stranger. Oh, what a wonderful thing. Jesus said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I am, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. I say we may leave this scene after so many years on earth, but we go right into the very presence of God. And I'm so happy the Lord said, I am the God of Abraham. Abraham lived 2,000 years before Christ came to the earth, but he's still alive. His body has gone back to dust. But Abraham, the man, is still alive. So is Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Elijah, all of us. Oh, I tell you, friend, it's a wonderful thing to have a Savior who not only saves for time but for eternity. He's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. What a prospect. What a hope. 
For you believers, may I suggest this to you? In Hebrews 10, 37, the writer says, And yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. And what shall we do while we wait the coming of the Lord? What shall we do while we're here on earth? He goes on to say the just shall live by faith. To live in daily, continual fellowship with the Savior. To be walking by faith, yes, but then when we leave this world, we walk by sight. We're down here in frailty, we'll be there in power. We're going to exchange earth for heaven. Frailty for power. Faith for sight. I tell you, friend, it's a wonderful thing to be a Christian. It's a wonderful thing to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's a wonderful thing to be able to say, I am now a child of the living God. And it doesn't appear yet. It doesn't, we, I don't know yet what we shall be like, but I know that when I see him, I'm going to be just like him. Brother, sister, you who know the Savior, why don't you revel in that? He's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. I know it's a very hard thing when we lose our loved one. The separation is hard. And don't you mistake it, my friend. Death is not a friend. Death is an enemy. It's a defeated enemy, but it's an enemy. And yet, we go right through it into the presence of God. I remember one of my associates, Dr. B.B. Sutter, used to say, I don't mind going to heaven, but sometimes I wonder if I like the way I may have to go the valley of the shadow of death. But then your 23rd Psalm says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The very one who defeated death in the grave never leaves you for one second. He will never forsake you. I tell you, it's a wonderful thing. It gives you wonderful rest, marvelous peace to be in such a Savior who has made such Wonderful provision. Indeed, I would say, my friend, I'm just as sure of eternal glory, just as sure of seeing him face to face, just as sure that I will never come into judgment as I am that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. You see, this is the great foundational truth of Christianity. Our Lord not only suffered and died and was buried, but he was raised from the dead and exalted to God's right hand to be a prince and a savior. The same body that was nailed to the cross was raised from the dead and glorified, eternal, and is now at the right hand of the majesty on high in the heavens. He's going to return one of these days. And you and I who love the savior are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Will you be ready, my friend, you who have never trusted the Savior? And it may be I'm talking to some Christians today, and you have trusted the Savior, but for some reason or other, you haven't come into that place of real assurance. You're not too sure about things. Listen, if you've really trusted Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, you've come to him with your sin, with your failures, and you've accepted him as the one who died for you and rose again that you might have life and have it abundantly. My friend, you'll be there. 
I'm not saved by my doctrine. I'm saved by a relationship to the Son of God. Oh, how wonderful. He not only redeems, but he keeps us, and he guarantees that there's nothing on this earth, neither life, nor death, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any experience, nor any creature is able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, I repeat it, what a Savior, what a Lord we have. And oh, I wish I could just put my arms around you and say, Lord Jesus, here's another one to be saved, to be cleansed, to be fitted for your presence, to sing the glorious song of redemption unto him who loved us, who washed us from our sins in his own blood, unto him be the glory through eternal ages. Are you going to be there? Are you going to be there? Ah, listen, he's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. How glad I am for this statement of our Savior. And you today can have the joy and the blessing and that, shall I say, that wonderful hope, that wonderful prospect. As David could say in the 23rd Psalm, goodness and mercy has followed me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, forever. I say what a prospect, what a hope. Is that yours today? Friend, we offer to you, we, we want you to accept one who not only died, but was raised again from the dead. And he has all authority in heaven and in earth. And he wants to meet your personal need, and he will meet that need if you'll put yourself in his hands. You see, friend, it's not that you are waiting for God to do something. God's waiting for you to come to him. As we had in chapter 21, then came to him in the temple who the blind and the lame, and he met their need. He opened the eyes of the blind and he healed the lame, but they came to him. And I'm reminded of Matthew 11, 28, when he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Why don't you come and come to David?
as from a father's hand. One by one, the days, the moments fleeting, till I reach the promised land. Till I reach the promised land. Till I reach the promised land. We trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. You may write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Thank you.